Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the inimitable Matt. Hello there. So here we are talking about the rebel flesh, mm. the almost people. Yep. Two-parter. Before we get yep. there, uh, I've just put up on our Twitter at Time Nor Space Pod uh, a little picture that I wanted to run by you because yep. I think... Towards the end of last episode, I, I just can't wrap my head around this series. So I've made a nifty season six thought organising flowchart. Right, okay. Okay, so uh, we're going to run through a few scenarios. All right then. So the first question that it starts with is where, you know, we've been a little bit so far this season. Is Amy pregnant? Yes or no? So, right, yeah. So, so if you answer no, mm-hmm. it just simply says this is the worst series we've watched so far. <laughs> okay. Now, if you if say yes, yeah. it goes to, is Amy's baby the girl in the spacesuit? Mm. If you say yes, yeah. it says, we saw that child is a Time Lord, and the arrow goes back to, this is the worst series we've ever watched. <laughs> if you say no, yeah. it asks the question, is that child a young river song? Ooh. And if the answer to that... If you say yes, yes, it says, River Song is not a Time Lord. Then the arrow goes back to, <laughs> we saw that child is a Time Lord. And the arrow goes back to, this is the worst series we've watched. Right. And if you answer no again, I've just put, what the hell's going on? Okay. So uh, that's that's kind of where we are at the moment. So yeah, in, it's definitely in order for this not to be the worst series, uh-huh. Amy has to be pregnant. Yes. The baby is not the girl in the spacesuit. Right. It's not a Young River song, uh-huh. which also just means it's something random. Yeah. But then at the same time, that just means it possibly could be the worst series yeah. we've ever watched. So there's a very high chance that this is the worst series we've ever watched. Yeah, just like there's too much going on. It's too complicated. <laughs> I, I don't really know what's happening. Mm. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe your, some of your questions will be answered in the uh, not-too-distant future. Mm. Um but uh, before literally any of them are answered, really, yep. we've got to get through uh, Rebel Flesh and the Almost People. Yeah. Um, can I just say, by the way, that is one of the most teachery things you've ever done on this podcast, yeah. just producing I, an actual flowchart. I, I sat down to start watching <laughs> like some of these episodes, and I was just like, what happened last time? I was like looking at my notes, I was just like, I ain't got a Scooby-Doo what's happening here. Yeah. So. It's fair enough. It's certainly, there are a lot of balls in the air right now. Mm. After uh, everything we've seen. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see basically none of these get addressed for the majority yeah. <laughs> of this two-parter. I, I did think, when I'd finished this, yeah. should we just go to like a one-pod-a-month format where we just watch all the episodes and we talk about the relevant 10-second snippets. <laughs> That's not the joy of Doctor Who, though. It's not. It's not. A, it's about the journey, not the destination. Because I, I watched this one, The Rebel Flesh, yeah. and is it The Almost People? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is good, but where's this overarching story going? And then at the end, it just goes, ta-da. Yeah. And I felt robbed. I was like, That's nearly two hours of my life <laughs> that I... I wish I'd just read the Wikipedia. But you were you so you were enjoying the episodes though, as as you like in a, as a story in its own right. I, I probably not. I don't know. Like, haven't you? You're not sure, but like on on your sort of standard scale of good episode to bad episode, like where where are you putting I this know, story? An absolute nothing. Mm. Like one of the least enthusiastic villains we've ever seen. Yeah. It's just clones. You know, and for some reason the clones are naughty. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Naughty clones. Yeah. It's just like, there's some clones, for some reason they're not very nice. You know, little boy's birthday, the end. (laughs) Uh, Okay, yeah. Um, So here's where I'm at with um, Rebel Flash and the Almost People. Um... I think it is one of the most underrated stories what, in the history. What of would you say show. makes it so good then? If it's underrated, what I'm, are the okay. highlights? I'm not going to say necessarily that it is perfect, 
Um, I get why some people criticise it, but it is one of within the fandom at large. It is one of the most universally panned episodes. Like it feels like nobody has a good word to say about this story, and I don't get that level of vitriol being levelled against what I think is a pretty solid base under siege kind of story. Um, but haven't we seen that done better? Yes, I would say that a better base under siege is Impossible Planet Satan Pit, but that doesn't mean to say you can't have other good. If you look, if you ate a piece of cake, you're like, my God, that is the best cake I've ever had. I'm never going to have a better piece of cake. If someone a week later offers you a piece of cake, you're going to turn it down because you're like, no, I've had the best one ever. Nothing's going to top that. Never going to sully my body with what, cake again. What would you say is the best cake you've ever eaten? Ever. I don't know. I enjoy a lot of cake. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be controversial because I don't know yeah. whether it constitutes a cake. Right, okay. But I haven't seen them for years and I long for them. Yeah. Is the Caramel Biscuit Vionetta. Wow. Vionetta just seems to yeah. have devolved into the plain chocolate ones. Yeah, and that's Maybe a mint choc chip if you yeah. go to a big Tesco. Yeah. I, I mean, first things first, Vionetta, not a, a, a cake. No. Like, Nowhere close. You see, I'm part. You know, this is. I'm going to sound like such a middle-aged man here. I'm partial to a lemon cake. Mm. I like a nice moist lemon sponge cake. I. I'm almost to like, almost with a religious zealous, detest coffee and walnut cake. Really? Yeah. Oh no, I, I, I'll never turn down a coffee and walnut. No. I mean, it is a very. I mean, obviously, as a child, I, I. I thought it was just Satan's cake. Mm. But, you know, I've I've grown to appreciate it as I've, as I've aged. Um, but anyway, uh, th- th- look, d- d- th- getting back to the the analogy I was making there. Yeah. Not just literally just, just a conversation it, yeah. about cake. Yeah. Um, just because this isn't the best base under siege story we've ever seen doesn't invalidate it as a good story, as mm. far as I'm concerned. Because um, Base Under Siege is one of those really classic Doctor Who formats, you know, where you get a bunch of people working in some kind of environment, something goes a bit belly up, they run around for a bit, and then it gets resolved. Yeah, it's not breaking the mould, but it's solid and it's entertaining. And I also think this this uh, story has a couple of particularly good guest performances, which I'm going to shout out now when I've scrolled down the Wikipedia I think, list. I think when I went through the cast list, I was like, I don't really recognise anyone. No, I don't. I don't particularly. I, I, I would, if I, if ever I saw any of them again, I'd be like, oh, that's so-and-so from Rebel Flesh. Or most people. Like, um, they really stand out of this. Uh, specifically, uh, Sarah Smart as Jennifer, who obviously turns into our kind of, like, Main event. She has. A, I feel like she has the most thankless task of anyone in this uh, particular episode. But she has that one particular monologue that I think is brilliantly delivered uh, where she's talking to Rory. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on that more later. But also Raquel Cassidy as as Cleese. You know the the uh, the boss of uh, of the mm. the factory. I think she ha- gives a really interesting performance because it's the kind of role women don't tend to get given. Mm. She is surly and unlikable. Like she is a bad boss. And like, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing nurturing or maternal or anything about her. She is cold and hard and grumpy and just wants to get the job done and get out of there. I'll tell you one thing I really didn't like in this. The fact that the bad guys are called gangers. And they're just like, oh, the gangers are around. You seen the gangers? And after a while, it's like quite a harsh word to like yeah. hear repeatedly, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. And I was just at the end, I was just like, oh, get me out of this. Okay, fair enough. Um, so it sounds like you're 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 cleaving more towards where most of the fandom lies with yeah. this, which is basically a complete waste of everyone's time until the last. Five minutes. Yeah. Um, that being said, for, for a two-parter, it's hard work. I can I can see that. Bearing in mind, obviously, if you're watching it back to back, you're not really watching it the way mm. it was broadcast. You know, 
And I, I kind of appreciate that it's a two-parter because I like stories that have a bit of breathing room. Um, there are other episodes that I can point to in this series, um, especially later in this series, where everything feels kind of rushed mm. because there's just so much going on. Um, so I kind of appreciate the fact that this one, they were like, let's just give everything a bit of space. Was it just they didn't have enough episodes? Like, <laughs> let's just pad out that one. Anyway, should we, should, right. we just, should we just get stuck into it? Yeah, so it's the 21st of May, 2011. Written yep. by Matthew Graham. Uh, best known in, from, from our circles for, from, uh, for previously writing a little episode from the David Tennant era called Fear Her. Mm. I think... I think I said this at the time. I went to school with a boy called Matthew Graham. Alright. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty close friends with him at primary school. We grew apart. He works in Tesco now. A lot of shouts out for Tesco today. Apparently, yes. Oh, oh you know what? I've still not seen uh, that lady that looks like River Song working in the Tesco cafe. Oh, I've get... been in a couple of times and I've not seen her yet. She's, I'm, I'm pretty certain she's like the main lady that works there. I think she might be like the little cafe manager. Right. But as soon as you see her, you will think, oh my God, it's River Song. I'm sure I will. Yeah. Um, Or you'll at least think, I'm pretty certain that's who Matt was talking about. She doesn't look like River Song. Hopefully, at least one of those things. I'm pretty certain she called me Sweetie as well when she gave me my coffee. uh, That seems uh, unlikely. (laughs) It's all right. My wife wasn't there. (laughs) Uh, I would just see, uh, no, I just meant from the perspective of, like, that, that seems like a stretch. I don't because, know. She's very, that is a thing that the River lady Song that works says. in Tesco's is very nice. I'm sure she's very she pleasant. She does a good job. If Excellent. anything, my only complaint <laughs> is the lattes are too hot. But you know, that's a problem that can be resolved merely in, by Imagine the if she's of time. like our one listener. And she's like <laughs> and she's like, Oh, the boy the boys are talking about me again. She's getting a family around. And you know, they're all sipping on their scalding hot lattes. And it's just like, Mummy, is the latte too hot? <laughs> You know, she goes upstairs. <laughs> right. Anyway, so, so... We open with some underground tunnels on an island. And I've put, there's a team that are dressed like woodlice. Like, the costumes aren't great in this one, are they? Disagree. Quite at like fir- them. At first I thought it was a Sontaran. Yeah. Then I realised it's too tall. Yeah. And they're just wearing, like... Just, they've got great big bulbous helmets. Big baggy, mm. like, acid suits, as they are referred to yeah. throughout. So this this is my entire write up of the intro yeah. to, the, to this episode. A woman knocks her team member into some liquid by accident. He's dissolved. He's alive again somehow. Titles. Yeah, I think what you are doing a disservice to there. I really like the black humor of that start where you know this guy is literally dissolving in acid, and his reaction is like, "Oh, not again." Mm. You know, they're just. I I kind of love the sort of jarring darkness of that but uh yeah mm. this, this this whole episode is going to be you glossing over the bits i like isn't it i've got nearly four pages of notes and i don't really know how <laughs> all right should we crack on then right so so back on the tardis it's now like a student flat amy and rory are well at home here it's very yeah. sort of messy there's it's, clothes everywhere they're playing darts they're listening to a bit of muse i think yeah yeah i quite like seeing this it's it's nice to see them sort of at home on the TARDIS. Mm. Um, if anything, the only person that doesn't seem at home is the Doctor. Yeah. Because he just stands there watching that pregnancy scanner going back and forth. It's obviously playing on his mind quite yeah. a lot. Because I think he knows if it answers no, then this is the worst series we've watched so far. <laughs> Matt Smith really doesn't want to be in the worst series of Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for some reason, the Doctor's trying to get rid of Amy and Rory. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, I'm going to drop you off. I'll come pick you up in a little while. Yeah. But unfortunately, he's stopped by a solar tsunami. And the TARDIS gets knocked about for a bit. Yeah. And then, I'm sure you're going to love this bit. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, great. So, just like when David Tennant used to randomly wear 3D glasses, uh-huh. Matt Smith just gets a snow globe out, shakes it, and looks at it as if it's some sort of scientific instrument. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, great humour there. Bit of business. Bit of patter, yeah. yeah. So, they arrive at 13th Century Monastery. 
except we're not in the 13th century because it's been used as some sort of factory pumping something away from the island into yeah. the mainland. Can I say at this point, I love that setting. I love that you've got this 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 sort of hybrid of ancient and modern, uh, religious and industrial. But, but we've seen it. If you think about that Silurian episode, they just lock themselves in a church whilst they're being attacked by aliens. Yeah, but it's not quite the same. It's not like a church that's been converted into a factory. Oh. I think it's quite a distinct look because you know you've got these ancient stone walls and then like you know swooshy metal like like metal gates and uh, doorways and and like no. you know piping. I think it's quite a, uh, quite an interesting. Uh, look, an interesting setting for an episode. So, the Doctor triggers the alarm, and the team from earlier appear, and the Doctor asks to see their critical system. I think they say, which one? And he sort of says, oh, I think you know. Uh-huh. And they take him to see the flesh, mm-hmm. which is fully programmable matter. And this is how they're able to clone themselves. Yeah. So It's all- like a great big vat of gloop. Yeah, it looks like PVA glue. Yeah, or like uh, like those gunge tanks on Get Your Own Back. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just slop, isn't it? So all the team that the Doctor's currently talking to are made of the flesh. They are currently in like clones. They yeah. used, I know we talked about this last time. They use like Avatar, aren't they? You yes. can put your consciousness into a, a flesh, flesh avatar of yeah. yourself. Yeah. Just going back to last week, I did put a tweet out saying, is Avatar anyone's favourite film? No response. <laughs> okay, so the only person that isn't flesh at the moment is Jennifer. Now, as I said earlier, I did a bit of Wikipedia, looking yep. at the cast. Do you recognise Jennifer from anything? Only this, I think. Now, I would say, if we could be criticised for anything, it's that we love talking about abstract 90s television Shows yep, we from do. Britain. Yeah, yep. she was in Woof. Do you remember Woof? That is ringing. Very, that was a CBBC thing, wasn't it? it or was it ITV? I think it was CITV. And right. It was a boy that would walk down a street, yeah. scratch his nose, and then he'd have to hide because he turned into a dog. Yeah. And then whenever he turned back as a boy, he was always naked. I don't think I ever watched it. I, it seems like it's, it, it's, it was very much like in the mould of your Bernard's watches yeah. and yeah. Uh, Queen's Nose and all of that. But it's not a stronger premise, is it? No. I don't know. I, I, I watched a lot of Wolf. And then I, I'm pretty certain they changed the actor. Ah, uh, that will happen. Change. Because yeah. I think the boy from Wolf eventually became Mike from Mike and Angelo. Really? Yeah, when... Uh, when they changed mics. Ah, right. Because I remember, I watched a lot of Mike and Angelo back in mm. the day. I wonder what the actor that plays Angelo's doing now. Because he was like... It would have been his like... Big. He would have been in, what, mid-twenties or something when he yeah. was doing that series? Yeah. He's never done anything since that I've seen. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, not to go off on a tangent. Yeah, that's not like us at all. So, the reason <laughs> they build these flesh avatars... Is because they're actually just mining acid. Yeah. I'm not certain that's how it works. Pretty especially, sure it isn't. But... Especially when they're running it through metal pipes. No, they, they specifically mentioned that it's ceramic pipes. Is it? Yeah. Oh. They think of everything. Yeah. Except for, like... Well, yeah, I will admit, like... I don't, I don't know enough about industrial processes to say for certain, but I'm pretty sure you don't have, like, obscure Scottish island mm. sitting under a lake of mm. bubbling acid... For these to yeah. be pumped out, but for whatever reason, they found it. It's the future. Maybe we discover things that are currently unbeknownst to us. So the doctor sonic screwdrivers the flesh and eventually touches it. Yeah, and the solar storm begins again. Uh, Jennifer goes to clone herself again, but the boss, who we later find out is Cleves. I yeah. don't know her name at this time. Uh, doesn't want to stop pumping acid. They say if they don't. You know, meet their quota. They'll be there for another rotation. Yeah, I think they're at the end of they their get, cycle. Yeah, they're, they're getting, getting ready to, the end, to go home. Yeah, and they they want to get the job done and get off as soon as they can. So the doctor goes up to a weather vane in a storm. Yeah, just to sort of get a reading of what's going on with this storm. We're, we're crossing over probably my best, my favourite line of the entire story, which is the doctor saying, 
I must get to that cockle before all hell breaks loose. Never thought I'd get to say that again. Mm. I mean, That's only on Doctor Who. Is that a throwaway line? Has he ever had a cockerel <laughs> as, as a as companion? Or? Not that I know of. I think it's a throwaway line. But I. But again, it's one of those things where it just like it's referring back to something that we haven't seen. So it's just you can have a little thing about. Imagine that like, if like. Why does he always have human companions? Imagine if he just had like, I don't know, a horse and yeah. a rat. He's never. Uh, I mean, he's not always had human companions. He sometimes had alien companions. Yeah, but they're basically just humans. They're always aliens that look exactly like humans or humans in makeup. The the closest that I'm aware of, and I don't know lots about him because he's all extended universe, is a character called Frobisher, who was a shape changer whose preferred form was a penguin. Okay. And I think was introduced in the comics that used to run in Doctor Who magazine. And later they went on to do a version of Frobisher in Big Finish Audio. Mm. But I've never actually sort of encountered any stories with Frobisher yet. Uh, yeah. Do you think there's anyone on Earth that's consumed all Doctor Who media? Like, listen to all the Big Finish, read all the yeah. comics? Yes. Like, yes, I do. I'd love to fight that person. <laughs> I think it would not be a difficult... I imagine <laughs> I'd punch through them like a meringue. I mean, let's be honest. If... Or, if, if you, if or you, I'd if, run up to attack them and they'd hold out like a toy sonic screwdriver under the assumption it would stop me and I'd just run straight past it and uppercut them. <laughs> I think it's fair to say that if you have found the time to consume literally every Doctor Who story in any format... Um, you probably haven't had a lot of time left to work it out. I mean, imagine doing that. <laughs> imagine if that was... The like... thought is absolutely exhausting to me. And that's coming as someone who is a, you know, yeah. a self-confessed massive Doctor Who last, fan. last night, I literally could not be asked to watch these episodes. <laughs> it was an absolute chore to me. Yeah. Never mind. I have. So, there's... A power surge, some of the acid gets loose from below ground and starts dissolving the earth below the TARDIS, so the TARDIS sinks into the earth. That's handy. Good good to take the TARDIS out for the majority of an episode, otherwise, especially with the base under siege, the question is then just immediately, why do you just get everyone on the TARDIS? Yeah. So, so there's a big power surge, the factory loses power, the people that are being cloned sort of get blasted, with sparks. Yeah. And we then get sort of like a cold cut. Yeah. End of act one. So music begins playing and the gangers have gone walkabout. Yeah. That that scene goes on for about eight minutes. That's all, <laughs> that's all you need to know. There's some music. Yeah. The gangers have gone walkabout. Uh, crucially, when, when the doctor comes to, he asks Cleves uh, how long she thinks they've been out for. She says... Maybe a couple of minutes, and he thinks, and he says, "I think it's closer to an hour." Hmm. So. so the gangers are sort of going around the base, searching for proof of their lives. Yeah. Okay, because they were unplugged from their host, they may be unstable, so they're looking for almost like links to their lives to yeah. sort of stabilize that. Rory finds Jennifer, and because she was being cloned at the time. She sees her face in a reflection, and it's like semi-complete. Yeah, um, it's a bit Voldemort-esque, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a really, it, I think, a really effective look because because they genuinely, like, like I said, they look like almost people. They, mm. you know, but like the features are just slightly jelly-like, slightly ill-defined. Mm. Uh, Except, yeah. of course, like three seconds later, where out of nowhere she's a big snake monster. Well, no, it's not three seconds later, is it? Is it? Well, it, it happens a bit later on. In the episode, well, it cuts it? between scenes, uh, so there's a little bit with the Doctor, but like with Rory and Jennifer, yeah, um, yeah, she just like shuts him, shuts a door behind herself, and then smashes through it as a big snake monster. I don't. I'm sure other stuff happens before that bit, but no, that's okay. what I've got. Okay. Uh, and then the Doctor realises all the people he's with searching for the gangers are the gangers. Yeah. And Cleves, who's the leader, is also incomplete, so she just runs away. And then we have Jimmy, 
who is Scottish. Yeah, that's, that's his entire character. Oh, no, come on. He oh, also no. has a son. He's a dad. He's a yeah. Scottish dad. Scottish dad. There we go. Uh, and he questions if the Doctor knows something about the flesh, which at the time I was like, it's a bit of an odd thing to ask. But then when you get to the end of the episode, you sort of realise why he asks that. Yeah. So, the Doctor goes to get the TARDIS. Amy goes looking for Rory. Rory finds freaky Jennifer again. Yeah. Uh, who says that she is Jennifer, not the monster. So he's led to believe this is the real Jennifer. But what she actually means is she is Jennifer, not a monster. Yes. Uh, Which I think Rory misconstrues and puts his trust in her again. Yeah. Uh, So the Doctor goes back to the flesh and sort of sonic screwdrivers it. And when it leaves, it sort of grows a mouth and says, trust me. Yeah. So I thought this was going to be the big bad guy for this series was like big freaky blob monster that we've seen several times in the past. (laughs) So the Doctor then finds the TARDIS, which is sort of semi-buried under the ground. Yep. The gangers have now found all the acid-proof suits. So the factory's like spewing acid everywhere. Yeah, it's been damaged by the sandstorm. So they say they can survive and leave the originals behind. Yeah. Because they have the acid suit. So we haven't really talked about the gangers. Yeah. They have the entire consciousness of the originals. Yes. So obviously the way the, way the technology, the flesh technology is supposed to work is the the host is strapped into like a, um, a I think they call them hangers. Yes. Maybe. Um, but it's like just a sort of pod, if you like, where uh, they can control their flesh avatar Whilst remaining conscious themselves, mm. and, and but because of the effect of the solar storm, basically it split them. So the the flesh, the gangers, have retained the consciousness, and all the thoughts, all the emotions, all the memories of their original hosts, but they are now fully autonomous beings. Yeah. So you've got the originals and the gangers both. Both basically so, vying uh, for control of the same life. Yeah, so the gangers consistently say, why should the originals get to live when we are people as well? Yeah, yeah. And this is one of the things where I feel like this episode doesn't get enough credit. Because this is proper philosophical big question science fiction. It, you know, old school sci-fi where it's like asking questions. Like, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to, 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 to have life? How do we define that? What are the boundaries of it? Um, what happens if you have two conscious beings that have equal claim on the same life? Mm. How do you resolve that? That, I think, is a really, really interesting premise. And I think it does do a pretty good job of exploring it. I do think it's slightly let down by the fact that, as we said already, you know, with Jennifer, the way she has these moments where she just becomes like a big scary blob monster thing. That, I feel like, kind of undermines that premise a little bit. Mm. And that, that that would be my biggest criticism of this story as a whole, is when it... When it succumbs to the need to just be Doctor Who and to, for people to be chased by a, down a corridor by a monster. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I admire the ambition of, of tackling those kinds of philosophical questions within the context of what is essentially still a knockabout, you know, fairly silly family science fiction show. Mm. So, back with Amy, still looking for Rory. She sees the eye patch lady. In the wall. Yeah. I couldn't figure out how to fit Eyepatch Lady into my flow chart. Yeah. But... But basically... Is it basically... Is the Eyepatch Lady important? Uh, If yes. But is she really... (laughs) Yeah. If she's not... Worst series series ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She finds Rory and Jennifer. Meanwhile, the Doctor bumps into all the gangers. And... For some reason, the real team all hate fake Jennifer. They just, out of nowhere, just decide Jennifer's the worst person. And admittedly, her, like, ganger probably is, like, the alpha of the gangers. Yeah, she's basically becoming this, like, rebel leader. 
of the gangers. And I think that's really interesting, actually. I don't know whether we've had the scene specifically yet, but you've got this kind of conversation between ganger Jennifer and Ganger, ganger Cleves, mm. where Cleves has, has this weariness about her, even in ganger form, which is just like, I just want to go home. I just want to get this sort of... Uh, and Jen, who previously had been sort of the sort of quiet like the nice one of the team basically suddenly kind of finds this resolve where she 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 f- feels like it's become an us versus them scenario yeah. and becomes like as i say this sort of rebel leader effectively um and i, I think that's a really interesting sort of shift in her character mm that I think the actress does a good job of, which again is why I'm shouting out those two particular performances, because I think they're both really interesting uh, and they don't get enough credit for for them. So so the Doctor interrupts all the gangers. He's got no shoes for some reason. Oh, because they got melted. He When, he was, dr- when he was going to try and find the TARDIS, he, he sort of st- stepped in a puddle of acid. So yeah. the Doctor says the clones are becoming people and shouldn't be killed. Uh, however, they're still missing the real Jennifer and Cleves. Yeah. Real Cleves arrives and is pl- pissed off and she just blasts Buzzer. So yeah. Buzzer's one of the other nondescript people yeah. that's part of this team. Yeah, he was already got melted in the cold open. Yeah. So fake Cleves declares war on the originals. Real Jennifer sees the trust me flesh monster man. Yeah. And Cleves says that the chapel is the best defended room in the factory. So they're sort of gunning up for the end battle here. Yeah. So Rory refuses to abandon Jennifer. Yeah. So he doesn't get locked in the chapel with everyone else. Yeah. And the episode ends with us seeing the revelation that the trust me flesh monster man is a fake version of the doctor. Yeah. He is when the doctor touched the flesh, yeah. the flesh sort of triggered became a Doctor Avatar. Yes. Yeah. So we have two I think, Doctors. In fact, you see him touch it and then you see him sonic it. Yeah. So he's done something. Yeah. Like, this is obviously part of his plan somehow. Mm. Um, so at that midway point, uh, one thing that I wanted to mention as well is Rory in this episode. Rory and the, the way he very quickly trusts Jennifer and wants to help her when she seems distressed. Um, I see sometimes on the internet when people discuss this episode some criticism of Rory for like abandoning Amy yeah. and, and, and so on and so forth but to me it feels totally consistent with his character because Rory is someone who wants to help people mm. individual people he sees someone in distress in pain and he wants to fix it that is why he became a nurse I think it's really, really central to his character. Yeah, I think as he's gone on, it's become like an important facet of Rory. Yeah. He just wants to help whoever he can. Yes. Yeah. So, we're now in the second episode, The Almost People. Yeah. And the flesh avatar of the Doctor is struggling with the Time Lord regeneration. And... At this point, Amy notices that the two doctors have different shoes. Yes. So that's what she goes to tell them apart. She's convinced that there can only be one doctor as good and as true and as pure yes. as her doctor. Yeah. Okay. And she's like really mistrustful of the ganger doctor. Yeah. So the doctor then works out that the pipes must go somewhere. Wherever they're piping this acid to... They should be able to follow these pipes below ground and that can be their escape route. Right. Uh, whilst this is going on, Rory, I've put his hunting Jennifer, but he's not. He's just sort of always one step behind. Yeah, he's, he's trying to sort of... Yeah, consult. To help. Yeah. Okay. So, the acid begins reacting with the stone tunnels below the ground, which starts choking the Doctor and his team. Uh, fake Jennifer... Asks Rory why she has to die. Again, says it's us or them. Yeah. Okay. Amy questions how there's two Doctors now if she didn't plug in. So the Doctor never entered one of those hangars. No. 
So she's questioning how this has happened. Uh, following that, they get the power back online, scan for Rory and contact the mainland. So they've contacted to arrange an evacuation. Yeah. I think, do they order like a destruction of the factory as well? Or is it just simply an I think, airlift? Yeah, no, I think they say, look, and you've got these gangers on the loose. You're going to need to sort that out. Yeah. Um, so like the implication there is like, just put them down basically. Um, yeah, and uh, so Cleves, uh, crucially, she gives them like a code word so they know that they're picking at the real yeah. people and not the gangers, and she types it so uh, in case her ganger is listening in, and then it cuts to the ganger Cleves, who is listening in, because, yeah. you know, she knows herself. Yeah. Now, one thing, I don't know whether it's really like acknowledged or if it's just a little hint yeah. that I picked up on. When Jennifer and Rory are trying to like access communications, she uses Rory's hand to yeah. log in. Yeah. Now we've seen previously that the communications don't react to gangers, only yes. reacts to him. Yeah. So was that not like a big red flag that she was the ganger? Because Rory keeps trying to help her under the assumption that she's not. He's, I think, just, yeah, I think he's just being a bit naive, basically. Because mm. uh, the way she, she says it, she's like, yes, we need to access communications and, and, and uh, I need to turn this thing, I need your big, strong hands. And like, I think, I think there there is an implication that, not that Rory is particularly smitten, but maybe if a a lady is being sort of, charming and slightly flirty with him that that kind of gets through his defences a little bit yeah. if that makes sense um, I don't for a second think that he actually you know like is like taken by her in any meaningful way mm. um, but anyway uh, of course what the gang of Jennifer says they're doing and, uh, and what they're actually doing are two very different things uh, with that control panel so, Amy now starts to hear a breathing noise, and yeah. is again looking at the eye patch woman. Now, I didn't really pick up on this at the time, but it's yeah. probably something we'll talk about when we reach the end of the episode. Yeah. Amy tells the fake doctor that she saw the real doctor die. Yeah. Um, now, the fake doctor goes mad, starts saying why over and over and over again. Yeah. And he... The fake doctor says the flesh wants revenge. It can divide at will. Okay. Yeah. So it's angry. Yeah, it's so it's used. like so it's like it was it wasn't really the doctor talking in that moment. It was like the the consciousness of the flesh itself, basically. Mm-hmm. Um it was the it was the anger of all of those melted, discarded, dying flesh avatars. Yeah. I can't remember if we've seen that at this point. I don't think we have quite yet, but we will do soon. I think that's slightly later. So, the team take the Ganger Doctor hostage. They start buying into Amy's mistrust. They think he's volatile and he's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, So, Rory finds both Jennifers. Can't tell which is which. So, they just have a little Jennifer fight. Yeah. And fake Jennifer is melted. Yeah. And then in the following scene, I've just written, again, this scene goes on for ages. I've just put, Amy hates the fake doctor. Yeah. Okay. So the fake doctor and Buzzer go to save Rory. Jennifer says that Rory needs to log in. I think this is the point where she she uses his hand to log in. Yeah. Because what her plan is, is to heat all the acid up, blow the island up, leaving the gangers. Yeah. But obviously, that's not what she... uh, um, yes, but that that's what she's telling uh, Rory, isn't it? But obviously, yeah. we later find out that's not quite what's actually yeah. happening. Yeah. Okay, so the Doctor tells Cleves that she has an inoperable ble- uh, brain bleed, like yeah. a clot in her brain. Yeah, she's been mentioning headaches and stuff throughout the uh, yeah. story. But yeah. I mean, he just sort of drops it on her like a little bomb, doesn't he? It's not subtle in his well, diagnosis. Well, no, because she, well, she's saying like, you know, I'm waiting for test results and things like that. Like she's brought it up, mm. and then he's just like, oh, well, it's this mm. and uh, inoperable if you're on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Fake cleaves, reroutes the evac shuttle and calls off any attack. Yeah. Uh, it's at this point Rory and Jennifer find the mass of discarded flesh. Yeah. So is that just simply when they're finished with the gangers or if any of them yeah. don't work correctly? They just seem to chuck them down this hole yeah. where they become like a gelatinous blob of yeah. flesh. It's pretty horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Why can't they just return it to the original flesh? Um, I think possibly the implication was that well, that maybe that's what they thought was happening, but evidently isn't. Mm. And like the the technology is perhaps a little more flawed than they were led to believe. So then the Doctor finds a wall made of eyeballs. Yeah. And he says that when they discard the gangers, the last bit to go is, is the, the eyes. Now, was that relevant plot-wise? No. I don't think it ever goes... Uh, they make a massive deal out of, oh, the last bit's the eyes. And I was like, right, they're going to use... Well, they, 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 the thing they say is, like, the eyes are, are accusing. They're asking you why. Mm. You know, why have you put us through this suffering? Um, and the implication is that the gangers, like some of the other gangers, have taken these eyeballs and stuck them on the wall for that exact purpose mm. to, to kind of free... the, the, the like the outside of universe thing is it's a good way to freak out kids by having a wall with creepy staring eyes, um, but yeah, right. So the buzzer confronts fake Jennifer who is now completely mental. Yeah. I don't know if it's at this point we see her where she's like a big monster woman. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it's not going well for her, is yeah. it? Oh, I think this is the moment where like, her jaw like like stretches. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we've so we've now established that even though we've already seen ganger Jennifer melt, yeah. this is clearly another ganger yeah. Jennifer. So the gangers now think that the Doctor is the fake Doctor, so they sort of welcome him into their cohort yeah even though we know it's the real doctor uh-huh. uh fake jennifer again separates rory from the group she kidnaps him in one way and the doctor just keeps saying ring ring yeah ring 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 yeah and eventually the phone rings and it's adam jimmy's son yeah so we haven't really talked about Adam, but he's pretty much the most important character in this story. Uh, in a way. Okay, yeah. so the thing that's keeping ganger Jimmy going is at the strike of midnight, it'll be real Jimmy's son's birthday. Birthday, yeah. Okay, so to sort of stop all the madness, the Doctor realises that's the thing that's going to yeah. anchor him and yeah. calm him down. So he's arranged this, this phone call. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jimmy runs off, having sort of seen his son, and all but Jennifer decide fighting is pointless. So, the gangers have essentially given up at this point. So, real Jimmy is sprayed with acid, so fake Jimmy just assumes his identity and takes over his Yeah, that fixes that one. (laughs) Yeah, he's no longer fake Jimmy, he's the only, he's the one true Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, Now, freaky Jennifer... I will say... It's a nicely played moment between, for, for that actor. Yeah. It's a hard thing to do, to, to kind of like be playing off yourself in that way. And, and uh, I, it, it, yeah, it, it gives a, a little gentle tug of the heartstrings, I think. Hmm. Yeah. So I sort of went into the finale thinking, this is how it's going to go. People are either going to live or die. Yeah, so we'll and have then, a mix of, of the originals and yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, Freaky Jennifer gets sort of locked in. Yeah. Just in time, the TARDIS appears. Yeah. So they're separated from her. Then the whole team, both gangers and originals, have got the TARDIS. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to make their escape. So this is where we get sort of a big revelation talking point. Yeah. So Amy has mistrusted Ganger Doctor all this time. Yeah. However, the Doctor says... You know, we swapped shoes. So yes. we needed to see how you really felt about the flesh, how yeah. you really felt about the doctor. So the whole time. So here's my yeah. question that I didn't pick up on at the time. Yeah. When Amy told who she presumed was the fake doctor that she's witnessed the doctor's death, yeah. was that the real doctor? And he, does he now know yes. that he's going to die? Yeah. Right. Because I didn't really think about that at the time, but 
Yeah. No, he's pretty... he's now been given that information, which he should have been given. Have yeah. been given. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Then we get a message through to Amy that says push, but only when she tells you to. Yeah, so, that's what the gang of doctor. Yeah. Tells him. So tells we notice things are like not as they should be. That sort of a conversation out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. So the gangers agree they're going to stay behind so the real folks can escape. They're going to defend against... Well, no, it's specifically just gang, gang of Cleves, I believe. Oh, and the yeah, gang of Doctor as well. Yes, and the gang of Doctor. Yeah. Uh, because there are some gangers that do survive this story, which is yeah. quite important. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to stay behind, hold off Jennifer whilst yeah. everyone escapes. Yeah. Okay. So as they escape... The doctor gives Cleves a cure for her brain clot. Yeah. And back on Earth, she lifts the lid on the ganger problem. They go back to the corporation they're all working for. Yeah. There's some sort of meeting. There's like a press conference taking place. Yeah. Yeah. We only see it from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, we see on the beach playing with his son. Yeah. Can we also mention, like, one of the, I think, the biggest issues, and, like, I hate to do this, but. The child actor playing Jimmy's son is particularly bad. Yeah. A lot of it is like, just like, Daddy, yeah. it's my birthday. Yay. See you soon, Daddy. Yeah, it's really bad. And it, it, it genuinely, I think, like hampers this episode. I, I get that he's probably not a child actor. They no, just needed a child He's, he's probably four, one of the crew's yeah. children. Yeah, four years old. That is young Yeah, to be doing that. But uh, it, it's tricky. But uh, yeah. It, it genuinely, I feel like it drags down those moments. So, Amy is then in pain. Yeah. And the doctor says they need to get her to the TARDIS. And when they do, he exposes that she's in labour. Yeah. So, to like, answer the question, is Amy pregnant? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, the doctor orders Rory to stand away. Yeah. Uh, he says, you know, there's been a signal to Amy this whole time from the flesh. Which gives the reason why the doctor wanted those two out the way so he could investigate. Yeah, he the flesh. he 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 was you know he acted like it was like oh where are we? But he knew exactly where they were and what they were doing. He yeah. needed to see the the flesh in the earliest stages of that technology. Yeah. So this Amy is a ganger, and has yeah. been for some time. Yes. Which. At what point do you think the doctor noticed? I think he probably first had. Um, concerns after the uh, the end of uh, the, the first story, the Impossible Astronaut one, mm. because when he's doing that initial scan and he's getting those weird readings, uh, because he later says, uh, when when uh, Rory asks him like, how long has she not been here, he says, uh, probably just before America. Mm. So, you know, quite a while. Mm. So, the episode ends with real Amy, yeah, or who we presume to be real Amy. Can we also just mention how horrifying is that moment where she, where he just like just undoes the the avatar, and just like yeah, and just, just into a puddle away. of goo. Yeah, yeah. So awakens in bed. Yeah, it's almost like a coffin bed. It's very claustrophobic. Yeah. Everything's bright white. Yeah, yeah. And above her is a little hatch yeah. with the eye patch lady looking through. Yeah. Which closes. Yeah, she tells her to push. End of episode. Yeah. Pretty daunting. Yeah, like pretty say, crazy end to that episode. Like I say, yeah. that was 85 minutes of absolute turd, but then like a golden five minutes at the end. Yeah. It really sets us up brilliantly for uh, uh, whatever the next episode is going to be. Um mm. Yeah, okay, look. I have never successfully managed to persuade anyone that Rebel Flesh and Almost People is a decent episode. And it's it's not helped by the fact that I can't tell you it's perfect. It's not like it's this completely misunderstood gem of an episode. Mm. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's fine. It's I, not bad Doctor Who. It's not the best Doctor Who, I, but I don't get why everyone just kind of tars it as this just awful episode. I know I, know I say it. A lot, but I'm going to say it's immediately forgettable. With the exclusion of the last five minutes. 
When we yeah. get to the end of this series, we'll probably discuss that last five minutes. We yeah. are not going to be talking about Jimmy and his son. No, maybe not. But I, I, I disagree about it being forgettable. Maybe it's just because I'm so charmed by the setting of it. Mm. You know, the monastery with the with the industrial elements. But I feel like it has bags of atmosphere, and like I always, even if I've not seen it for a few years, I have this kind of sense memory of this story. It does. Ha- it definitely has always had an impact on me. So I, I, you know, I can't really say any more than that about it. Other than the fact, I think it, I do think the fandom at large has got this one wrong. I don't know why, whether it's just that I am just one of a handful of people who really are in tune with what this episode is trying to do or what it is. But I really, I have a good time watching it every time I watch it. Like, it's a skippable story in a lot of ways, but it's one I would never personally choose to skip. Well, that, that's how I would describe it. If if we were putting together a YouTube compilation of this series... yeah and we had a maximum of half an hour, we wouldn't include anything other than that final few minutes. Maybe not. But yeah, I think that's more a, a testament to how much is going on in this series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there is a lot of good stuff and a lot and a lot of uh, a lot of complicated stuff. Yeah. As uh, maybe we will get to uh, next week when we are discussing a good man goes to war. Mm. But until then, Thank you very much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.